Good morning. Oh man, good to see you all. Uh, for those of you I've never had the opportunity to meet, uh, my name is Kondo. I uh, get to serve as uh, one of the pastors here at Mission Point. And again, if you're a guest with us, a special welcome. Uh, so, so glad that you chose to come and spend uh, a little bit of your morning with us. We do tend to think that you made a good decision and that the Lord is going to meet you um, in uh, beautiful and meaningful ways. That's our prayer. That's our hope uh, for you this morning. Um, I, uh, a couple of weekends ago, I celebrated a pretty big uh, birthday, a pretty monumental birthday, if you ask me. Um, and uh, it's one of those birthdays that I never thought I'd live long enough to see at the rate I was going in high school. And, uh, and yet here it is. I got to celebrate this. Well, let me clarify. By celebrate, I mean I expect experienced. Um, and let, me, let me clarify even further. I endured uh, a pretty big birthday. I don't know what my issue is, but I struggle with the idea of getting older um, and older. And I don't know what it is about that, just coming to terms with my, you know, mortality or something um, of the sort. But I've just struggled. And as I get older, I find myself grieving uh, some of the things that I, I can't do anymore. I find myself missing uh, some of the things I was once able to do that I just can't do um, anymore. Like, um, I miss things like, um, okay, this is a, a simple thing, uh, I realize, but, but I miss the days when I could get up off the ground without grabbing onto anything. I could just sheer power of will pull myself up from the ground. I can't do that anymore. But there was there was indeed such a day uh, that I miss very, very much. Um, I miss the days when I would jump up out of bed to the sound of silence. Like no cracking bones. I would just be able to jump up and my muscles would be loose. I would be ready instantaneously to go and live my life and do things. Now, it takes a minute um, or 500 for me to even start to feel like I can move anything. So I miss those days. I miss the days when I could decide, that's it. I'm going on a diet. And I would say to myself, that's no more milkshakes after 2 a.m. <laughs> for the next two days. Bam, 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 six pack. Everything is done. Now I look at my kids eating milkshake and I put on weight. Like it's just, it's a rough time. I miss the times when I would stub my toe and like half an hour later it would be healed up. Now it's like six months later and that sucker is still not functioning fully. I think one comedian said it right when he said, the older you get, you don't heal as much as you just learn to walk different. Uh, so, because uh, things just stay the way they were um, after you broke them. I mean, it's a rough, rough, rough life. Um, but it is. I mean, it's the reality of, of um, getting older and something happens. And I think for all of us in the deepest parts of our humanity, something about getting older, when you get to a certain point, um, I realize the invincibility of college students, but when you get to a certain point, you just start to come to terms with your mortality. You start to get the keen sense that you are living on a shot clock, and it's just a matter of time before it runs out. It's just a matter of time before things break and don't fix again. It's just a matter of time before you slow down to a complete 
stop. It's just a matter of time before we are done. And I think something about getting older um, brings that to the surface, and it has a bit of a sobering effect. Um, This morning, we are launching what we trust is going to be a three-week series that we are calling Invincible. And in particular, uh, we're speaking about the Invincible Church. Because unlike my old self, we believe that the church never has to slow down or ever come to a stop. The church never has to experience the break, a break that stops it from moving forward. The church never has to stand still. The church can always jump out of bed and rush out to change the world. The church ought never to die because Jesus has created it and has designed it in such a way that it is actually able to be invincible. The church never has to die. It can continue to thrive and stay young doing it. And so we want to spend a a, a number of weeks just looking at some of the principles that make a church so, that make a church invincible. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be part of that kind of a church. And so in order to do that, um, we are going to look at a funky story um, in the book of Acts, um, um, Acts chapter 1. And then a little bit later, we are, are going to um, install three new elders. And um, we, we are going to put three men into positions of leadership in the church. And that, by the way, should fire us up as a church. Because wouldn't you know it, even as you turn to Acts chapter 1, wouldn't you know it, but one of the key ingredients Jesus has given in making and cultivating an invincible church is leadership. So the thing that's going to happen here in a little bit ought to stir us with incredible excitement. But to see that, to see um, the role and the significance of leadership, we're going to look at an odd and often neglected passage of Scripture um, that's tucked away in Acts chapter 1. We're going to start reading um, here in a moment at verse 15. Acts chapter 1 verse 15. Um, But let me just give you a a little bit of context for what we're um, uh, about to see, what we're about to uh, look at. So Jesus Christ dies. His followers freak out. Then Jesus Christ rises from the dead. His followers like, ah, freak out. And then Jesus spends about 40 days hanging out with his followers, um, which they absolutely love. And at the end of that 40-day period, Jesus leaves the earth and goes back to heaven. But Before he does, he gives them explicit instructions. I want you to stay in the city of Jerusalem and wait for my Holy Spirit. And when my Holy Spirit comes, he will turn on the ignition and launch this mission movement called the church. But don't go anywhere. Just hang out here in Jerusalem until that happens. So while they wait... There is this rarely spoken of window between Jesus' departure and the Holy Spirit's arrival. 
And at this moment that we're about to peer in on, pretty much every Christ follower on the planet at the time is gathered together in this second story room in Jerusalem, preparing for the Spirit to come and for the church to launch. They're getting their stuff in order so that when the Spirit shows up to signal its go time, they will be ready to move out. So the question is, what did they do during that window of time. Pray? Yeah, they did lots of praying, but there's something else they did that I want us to catch, something else that I want us to see. So let's look in Acts uh, chapter 1, starting at verse 15. All right, here's what it says. In those days, Peter, who was the leader of this group, stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. Now, spoiler alert, really quickly, Peter is about to give a a speech. Uh, Now, this didn't go down as one of his bestsellers, one of his famous speeches, like the speech he gives in a couple of chapters where thousands come to life in Jesus Christ at the sound of the gospel presented. But Peter gets up and he gives a lesser-known speech. Now, remember... Jesus has gone back to heaven, and his Holy Spirit is fixing to come and rattle their worlds. Which means, for me, I'm actually interested to hear what Peter has to say. Because I'm interested to know what he thinks is so pressing that he's going to press pause on this prayer party that's going on in Jerusalem to interrupt them with a speech. I'm actually curious to know what is important enough. Oh, Peter. Look at what he thinks is urgent to talk about. Verse 16. And he said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. Wait, what? I'm sorry. I think I heard you just say Judas. Judas, you just interrupted this holy moment to talk to us about Judas. We are grieving the departure of Jesus, and we are longing in anticipation for the arrival of the Holy Spirit, and you thought that this is a perfect time to talk about that double-agent traitor who betrayed our leader and betrayed our Savior. Judas, seriously? Peter's like, hmm, let me finish, let me finish. But the truth is, it doesn't get any better. Look at verse 17. Judas was one of our number, and he shared in our ministry. With a payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. He hanged himself. His body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. And I can imagine John getting up and being like, okay, thank you, Peter. Let's hear it for Peter, everyone. Good talk, Peter. Sit down. Um, kind of gross and unnecessary, Pete. Right before lunch, too. (laughs) Peter stubborn refuses to sit down. He just keeps on speeching. Look at verse 19. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language a keldama, which is field of blood. Hmm. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Oh, good grief. 
Peter is actually starting to make some sense. We had no idea where you were going there for a second, Peter, but I think we're now on the same page as you. That dude, Judas, is dead. And the Bible demands that we replace him. Okay. But man, you could have just said that without all the blood and guts and, and gushing and stuff. You could have read, the FCC could have rated this G and more people could have read this story. Now, no one's going to read this hidden passage of scripture. Thank you very much, Peter. Right? They're starting to understand what he's saying. And then Peter goes on, in case there's any mistake, to drive home the heart of the point he's trying to make. Verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. There it is. Finally, Peter brings it in full focus. The burning priority on Peter's heart in this incubation season of the church's life. The thing he felt compelled to get up and compel everybody else to get on board with. Replace Judas. Operation replace Judas. Because Peter understood. And by the way, you will see that everybody else in the room understood the significance of what he was charging them to do, that nobody argued with him. But Peter understood what I would love for us as a church to understand as well. And that is the first observation that we want to make from this passage. And what Peter understood, or what I'd love for us to understand as we launch into this series, is this idea that leadership is crucial. Leadership is crucial. If the church is going to be launched into the darkness to turn it upside down with its light, leadership is crucial. If the Holy Spirit is going to do his most transforming work in our community, in, in our county, and in our city, you know, wherever else it is, the church must have leadership. If a church is going to be an invincible mission movement, it must have leadership. Leadership is Crucial. It has to have people who sit and serve in positions that shepherd the people, that steward the mission, and that help to shape the direction of the church. And by the way, in Acts chapter 1, it was the 12 apostles. But in a context like ours at Mission Point, um, it's the growing team of elders. Um, who you are, I'm going to meet here in just a little moment. Leadership is crucial, which is why Peter brings up this whole Judas thing in what seems like an out-of-the-blue, impromptu, random moment. 
And we see that here in this, um, in this passage. Look again at verse 20. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, in the scripture, may his, Judas's place, be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Peter wants to remind us, this grassroots group um, of world changes, this thing he's saying is not just one of his bright ideas. It is a biblical mandate. Judas's vacant leadership spot needs to be fulfilled. Hundreds of years before our mommies met our daddies, there was a prophecy that came through the Psalms, through um, David, that demanded that Judas' spot be fulfilled in history future. And so now it is on us to fulfill the obligation laid out in that prophecy. Now look at verse 21. Therefore, it is, say this word out loud, necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us The whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us. It is necessary, meaning filling that position of leadership that Judas left vacant is not optional. It's not recreational. It's not a recommendation. It is necessary. Heaven considers this a must. So much so that I wonder... If this isn't one of the reasons that Jesus gave his soon-to-be church this window of 10 days between his departure and the arrival of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if there isn't a part of this in which Jesus is saying, figure this thing out. Before the movement can move, it is necessary that you fill out the leadership team because leadership is crucial. I wonder if this isn't the thing that the Holy Spirit was waiting on before he came down to turn on the lights of the church. Which makes sense to me. Why would the Holy Spirit come down and ignite a movement of people who are disregarding something that he says is necessary? And I wonder if that 10-day window wasn't a preparation opportunity for this group of followers to put in place this thing that prophecy had demanded. I wonder if we aren't discovering in this odd section of Scripture that leadership was in some sense a prerequisite for the launch of the church. I'm about to send my spirit down to ignite a world-shifting movement, but first, you all need to figure out putting in place leadership. It is necessary. And by the way, even if you don't care about biblical teaching, uh, even if you don't buy into the teaching of Scripture, you can at least understand this from a very practical standpoint. Nobody launches an organization without first establishing its leadership. No one starts a business without first establishing its 
leadership. No one starts a school without first establishing its leadership. Not if they have any desire to see it live much beyond the ribbon-cutting ceremony. And that is not like a, you know, um, some kind of a Stephen Covey or a Frank Lencioni, Lencioni, you know, genius idea. No, that's, they plagiarized the Bible on that. It's biblical because leadership is crucial. Uh, let me show it to you in a couple of other places um, before we move from this point. Um, Ephesians um, chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Those are the leaders of the church. Jesus did it. And he gave them to equip his people for works of service, for ministry, for mission. Why? So that the body of Christ may be invincible. So it may be built up until we all reach unity in the face and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. For the church to grow up into everything Jesus dreamed it to be, he put in place leadership. Titus chapter 1 verse 5, it says this. The reason, this is Paul speaking, I left you, Titus, in Crete, was that you might put in order what was left and finished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Paul is telling Titus, hey, listen, um, the, the church planting work is not finished yet. Why not? Because you haven't yet established leadership. And by the way, if we had time, we would go off on a tangent and talk about the fact that leadership is actually what makes a local church a local church. It's why a group of believers who sit together in a basement do not become a church. But that's for another series. Paul is telling Titus, put leaders in place. Put the elders in place so the work of church planting can be finished. Leadership is crucial. And um, here at Mission Point, we exist to invite everyone everywhere to life in Christ. We long to see a mass awakening of the lost turning to Jesus for life and for fullness. But if we're going to launch into our county to do that, it is necessary that we have leadership in place. Because if we get excited to launch and we get excited to go out and we get excited to do a bunch of things, but we ignore something he said was necessary, I wonder if we won't find ourselves lacking a certain holy ignition. the Bible mandates leadership and we don't continue as leaders in the church to ask, are we filling out our team as Jesus desires? How can we expect fire to fall? So in a little bit, we'll not only be adding a person to our leadership team, but we will be installing three leaders, three elders who are called to shepherd the people and um, to steward the mission and to shape the direction of this church. And I'm telling you, that should fire you up. 
Because if we are truly stepping into something that the Bible says is necessary, that Jesus has designed so his church would grow up, so his church would fill out and move out, if we are in the process of stepping even slightly into something like that, that ought to stir in you a sense of anticipation. That ought to cause you to start praying, Holy Spirit, would you come and fall fresh and maybe launch us a little bit further? This is an incredibly exciting moment. Um, Jeff Glock and uh, Mike Taylor and Stan Hepler, um, who are seated um, over here, um, your role is crucial to the mission of this church. We will be better poised to launch further because of your leadership roles. Not because of you, not because of us, but because of Jesus' design for his church. And so I can't tell you how thankful um, I am that you are accepting this responsibility. It's a huge thing in the context of the church. If we hope to be part of an invincible church that continues to grow and go, then leadership is crucial. But I think this story teaches us one more truth that I want us to note um, and this is going to sound so anticlimactic um, for an elder installation um, Sunday. Um, and I, I mean no offense to you guys. Um, and I mean no offense to those of us who are currently um, sitting um, on the eldership team. But I think this story teaches us that leaders are dispensable. Leaders are dispensable. They come and they go and kesera. Whatever. Did you see that in this passage? Uh, it, it was kind of hard to miss. I don't know if you caught that schizophrenic phrase that Peter snuck into his speech. Look at it again. Verse 20. This is hilarious. I mean, this is the inerrant, inerrant. This is, you know, infallible word of God. And yet it can't seem to agree with itself in this particular section. For, verse 20, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place, Judas's place, be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And also, may another take his place of leadership. Like, wait, what? I'm sorry. Forget Judas. He sold us out, and he betrayed our Savior to his death. Benedict, that's traitor. He got what he deserves. Forget him, except how it is necessary that we replace um, him. Wait, which one is it? Forget him or replace him. Don't replace him or do replace him. Which one is it? And the answer is yes. It's both, which is actually the powerful point of this whole thing. Judas is dead is what Peter is communicating. Don't replace him. But it is necessary that you replace his leadership position. 
What's Peter saying? Because this is huge. And I'll have us put this up on the screen. I think Peter is saying leadership is crucial, but leaders are dispensable. Leadership is crucial, but the leaders themselves are dispensable. Forget Judas. Don't replace him. The mission of the church does not depend on Judas. Judas is dead, but the mission will still live. The arrival of the Holy Spirit does not depend on whether or not Judas is here. The gospel going out doesn't depend on him, but it does require that his leadership spot be filled. That church leadership be put in place. The Psalm Peter is quoting, is teaching us that it is not about the person. It is about the position. It is not about the leader. It is about the leadership. That's not the same thing. Because leadership is necessary, but the leader is not. Leadership is crucial, but the leaders are dispensable. God can take out any leader at any time, replace him, and then carry on with his mission. Paul did some great things, but it was time, and Paul moved on, and Timothy replaced him. Moses did some amazing things, but then Moses moved on, and Joshua replaced him. David moved on, and Solomon replaced him. And please hear me. You want to be a part of a church with leaders who get this, that we have this privilege of sitting in a crucial position, but lest we think there is something special about us, God could move us right along and then move his mission right along without us. We are replaceable. You do not want to be a part of a church with leaders who think the movement depends on them. You do not want to be part of a church that is built around personalities or that depends on any leader. That makes for a vulnerable church. Because the minute that leader is taken out, the whole thing falls apart. Leaders are replaceable. Judas is gone. Let's move on. Now, I trust they grieved his absence. Please don't hear some cold-heartedness even in the words of Peter. But he is reminding the people that Judas doesn't need to be replaced, but his position does. And I realize we live in the era of celebrity pastors where everybody has an association with, this is my guy, and that's my person, and this is who I listen to, and that's who I follow. And that's the era in which we are living. But that way of thinking can be very vulnerable, especially when it seeps into the heart of the leaders themselves. The problem with that is any time you take that person out, the movement dies. You know, it's interesting um, that there is, I mean, call this an educated guess. I think it's a really good one. But there is no self-respecting military strategist anywhere in this world 
in any war room who is giving advice that says, all right, listen, um, I'm a military strategist, expert, genius. Here's what I suggest. If you can take out the leader, you can take out the United States of America. No one is saying that. Take out the leader and you take out the USA. No one is saying that. Do you know why? Because it's stupid. My mom said, don't say stupid unless something is really stupid. That qualifies. That is really stupid. No one is saying that. Take out the leader. You, do you realize that, listen, within 24 hours, they will swear in the vice president. And then 24 hours after that, they'll swear in the speaker of the house. Because part of the genius and the strength of this country is it's built in such a way that the leadership structure does not depend on any one person. It's bigger than that. Take out the leader and you take out the... No, you take out the leader and you make America mad and they'll take you out. It's not smart. In fact, what would make this country vulnerable is if it moved to a place where the power depended on one individual. That's actually what makes the country vulnerable. It's like somebody saying, well, listen, just wait till, you know, um, Mr. You know, Truett dies and then Chick-fil-A is going to just go up in flames. No, Truett Cathy passed away three years ago in a couple of weeks. And the very next year, profits soared like never before. Why? Because the movement... The revival in our country called Chick-fil-A <laughs> was not built around one person. It was built in a way that was bigger than him. So when he moved on, his son replaced him and the chicken tasted even more delicious. <laughs> you want to be a part of a church that gets that. It is not built around any one individual. It's not built around any one leader. Because the leaders understand there is something that is much bigger than us that is at stake in the conversation. Leadership is crucial, but the leaders are replaceable. I want to be part of a church that can call a meeting and say, that dude is gone. Let's grieve Let's replace him, and then let's launch even further. In fact, the invincibility of a church, I think, is tied to the dispensability of its leaders. You have a necessary leader, and the church is vulnerable. You have dispensable leaders who understand that, and the church becomes invincible and that's a church we want to be a, a part of and if that's true that means um, we ought to particularly and I'm speaking to us elders for a second we ought to live dispensably the leaders of this church all of us in fact it applies to every single one of us we ought to live dispensably we ought to practice this. And brothers, I'm speaking to the elders. It starts with us. It has to. Um, God has chosen to grant us these positions of leadership as stewards 
in his house. We serve at the pleasure of the king of kings to help prepare, to propel his people into mission, a mission that is bigger than any one of us. Which means we have to hold these leadership um, roles loosely and with great humility, realizing it could be gone in a minute. God could move us on in a minute. We have to make sure, and we need to work together to make sure it never becomes about any one of us. And we're going to need each other for that. And you as a church family, you can... You can Please pray for us to that end. And also, can we please part from the whole celebrity leadership thing? If you come to church because of one particular person over the other, or who's speaking, or who's not speaking, or who's your favorite, or who's not your favorite, like we're glad. But if that's why you stay, that's vulnerable. Because one of us will preach a bad sermon, or will disappoint you, or will forget your name, or we won't return an email. Guilty. And that'll be it. You'll be done. But if we buy into the fact that, no, we're dispensable, there's something bigger at, at stake. I trust you would pray that way and also live dispensably that way. And I think for us as elders in particular, that, that shows up, living dispensably shows up in, in two, two things I want to touch on. Number one, we must decentralize. Um, we must decentralize. We've, we've got to get better. And man, I, I am a, a culprit of this. But we've got to get better at empowering the people of the church to live out the mission. To carry out the ministry. We've got to get better at delegating and distributing responsibility um, in the church. Because if we become hoarders who feel like we have to do everything and control everything, then we make the church vulnerable because things start to depend on us too much. And that's been a weakness of mine. That's, that's something I'm so keen um, to grow from. We cannot become a church um, that centralizes leadership where everything is done by a select group of people. And, and let me say this to you um, as, man, our, our church family. Um, you may get very annoyed as we continue to do this because this was never uh, designed as the kind of church that says, hey, you guys are spectators, okay? Um, and we'll do the work up here, us professionals who do the work. So please show up to church and then leave, grade us, and see if you think it's a good idea to come back to church the next week. No, we long to see a church in which everybody understood, I have a part, I have a gift, there's something that I ought to be doing, I'm part of this movement, I'm part of this mission, I'm part of the ministry, and you own and play your part. And so some of you are going to get super annoyed with us, as they're constantly saying, we have this opportunity, and we have this opportunity, and the love up this month is this, and you can get involved in this, and you can... Please, we just want to come sit and spectate. That's not how Jesus designed the church. And something falls apart when either the church family says, I'm out, I'm just going to spectate. Or the leaders say, we're in, we're just going to dominate. But there's something powerful that happens when we decentralize. We decentralize and everybody receives and 
owns their responsibility. I think the second way we live dispensably is to disciple. Um, we as elders in particular ought to always be pouring into someone coming up into leadership and stop acting like we're going to lead forever or we're going to live forever. Um, we ought to constantly be planning for and preparing our replacement. I should always have some thought about who is going to fill my spot when I am moved along. Otherwise, I start to live like I am crucial, like I'm super important. And we start to build a church that shuts down if any one person is moved along. We ought to constantly be thinking about replacing ourselves. An invincible church is led by people who embrace their dispensability and they plan for it by preemptively replacing themselves. And how do you kill a church that is ready to replace its leadership? Well, one person moved on. Well, we figured out a way to replace that person. And I love the humility on our team um, that embraces this. And it's something we ought to continue to embrace more and more. How do you kill a church that is constantly saying who's coming behind us? And who else are we pouring into? And who are we bringing along? So that when it's time, ready to be replaced. That makes a church invincible who am I pouring into to that end so I want to invite um, our sitting and our incoming elders to join me on stage um, and uh, again if uh, leadership is as crucial as the Bible suggests then this is a huge moment um, this is a cause to celebrate we are taking a step towards invincibility. And please understand what we mean by that in context. Mission Point is going to be here forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. No, Jesus is a timeline. Um, but the beauty of it is the church of Jesus Christ, even beyond this world, is going to continue on. Um, but this is such um, an exciting moment. And if leaders are indeed as dispensable as the Bible suggests, then this is a huge responsibility. Um, and pray for us, pray uh, for these guys coming on, that they would have a heart of humility, um, that we would all together embrace our dispensability and prepare for it by decentralizing ministry and mission and by discipling those who would um, continue the work if we were to be moved um, Along, So, man, you, you want to pray for, for these guys. So let me introduce you to this well-dressed group. Let me move out of the way so you can uh, see uh, that uh, admission point, one of the qualifications for elder is just a solid fashion sense. So um, um, Gabe Kozer um, uh, right here, and uh, then John Barrett on the far end, um, man, are two of our current elders. Um, that also includes um, myself and Matt Duell, um, who is uh, traveling this weekend. Um, Doug Haynes, and you can embarrass him, you know, um, was a part of our team for two years and is taking a season 
um, out, and uh, I would embarrass him, but if I did, uh, Doug would call me before I got off this stage uh, to reprimand me uh, three ways to heaven. So, um, but man, the elders who we are so excited to um, invite and include on our team, um, Mike Taylor, um, who is standing here in um, orange, and then uh, Jeff Glock, who's um, in the middle, and Stan Hepler, who's standing next to John uh, Barrett. And we are just so thankful that these guys have said yes to stepping in and helping fill out the leadership team here at Mission um, point because leadership is crucial, but not a single one of us is um, irreplaceable. And uh, I trust we'll continue to grow uh, to understand that. So let me just uh, turn my back on you guys for a second and, and read something um, to you men out of First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watch over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples, leading by example, the flock. And when the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Amen? Amen. Amen. So brothers, Mike, Jeff, and Stan, do you accept the post of elder to shepherd the people to steward the mission, and to shape the direction of Mission Point Community Church? And if so, respond by saying, we do. We do. And then as a representative of the current elder team, and as a representative of the church family um, here at Mission Point Community Church, it is my joy to welcome you to the leadership team. Man, why don't we welcome these guys? Thank God for them. And man, I'm going to have Gabe just lead us as we pray. And as we do that, why don't you stand? And if you feel comfortable, just, man, stretch your hands towards these guys as we pray for them um, and commit them to the work the Lord is calling them to. Father in heaven, <clears throat> you are a great and glorious God, hmm. and you will be praised. Let it be by us with the rest of your church. <clears throat> Lord, <clears throat> First of all, I'd like to thank you for our brother Doug hmm. and uh, just ask that you would bless him, Lord, in the ways that he is humbly, selflessly, and faithfully served to this body over the last yes. couple of years. We're grateful for him. <clears throat> ask that you would bless him. Thankful for these men. Lord, what a great day to install these three men. They've already had an impact hmm. on what we're doing here at Mission Point. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us all eager to serve this body. Yeah. But, Lord, we have greater visions than just serving this body. I pray mm -hmm. that you would use these men, use us as a team, that you would unite us. Mm -hmm. 
for the goal of reaching the lost in this community yes, and beyond. Lord, yes, Lord. Lord, we long to reach the people in this community. So I pray, Lord, that you would use the giftings of these three men, mm. that you would enhance them, mm. strengthen them, and encourage them as we seek to save those that are lost. I pray mm. for their spouses, their wives, yeah. that you would provide them with the strength they need to support these men. And we thank you, Lord, for them and for this day. Would you grow us and use us as a church body? We love you. We thank you that you continue to grow Mission Point and use us for your glory yes. and for your, for your kingdom's sake. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.